Shafee. Shafee, are you there? sort of ivy-covered cave. Microphone's in front of me. Ah, I'm just kidding. Uh, I know where I am. I'm uh, I'm getting ready for another one magical hour of Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. Did you think I didn't know where I was for a second there? Well, it wouldn't have been the first time. Uh, But I know where I am. I'm facing this guy. You know him, you love him. He's got mandibles like the predator. He is the proverbial man inside two garages. He's Matthew Ramby. Oh, 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 recording a bad podcast. Garage, shave, shave, shave. Alex, Cat, and Grace. Garage, fake, fake, fake. We got a podcast. I want you to listen. I want you to download. I want your review of our podcast show. I want your love. Love, love, love. I want your love. Hey, Shafe. <laughs> I've been so excited to do Lady, Lady Gaga all day. I can barely contain myself. Your Lady Gaga impersonation is terrifying. Terrifyingly <laughs> brilliant. I mean, it's very good, yeah. Uh, I'm a huge I mean, fan. I, I feel... I, I'm, a, I like I'm a little monster. I like her quite a bit. Uh, I feel like I'm a little scared of her. Uh, like her manifested inside you was mm-hmm. just, that was too much for me. I was, I was about to hide under my chair. I'm, I already- I, I'm more of a Lady Gaga invoker, uh, not an impersonator in that I invoke the spirit of Lady Gaga. You uh, know? That's definitely true. It's, yeah. uh, and I was already, I was already disoriented because I didn't know where I was in this ivy covered cave. You're still at home, buddy. I was that I was I was doing some laundry just before we started casting, and it occurred to me to pretend like I didn't know where I was for the introduction today, and it went so perfectly in my head. <laughs> actually doing it, I was like, "Oh God, this is so stupid." Say love you. And here we are. Let's make hay while the weird shines. Making poor choices. Making hay while the weird shine. It's it is weird. It's very weird tonight in Austin, Texas. Uh, a fog has rolled in, and it's cold in the thermometer, but warm and muggy in the air. And uh, and yeah, with well, it's uh, I think it's got it's got my podcast partner and I in in an unusual mood tonight, which is okay. You know that's that's fun sometimes. We can explore new things about ourselves and. Uh, and also, I'm kind of hopped up on green tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I, did I up, update you guys? Remember, I, 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 I think it was, it was the interview with Alex Battles when I like had that whole comedy of errors thing where I like burned out my my tea kettle because um, it didn't turn off automatically. Sure. Right? Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. You- you burned up a bunch of green tea leaves in your tea kettle. <laughs> green tea you burned off all the water, right? And then 
Amazon said that they would send me another one. And then it got lost. I got an email from them months later, weeks later. It just said, we, we don't know where this is. It's lost somewhere. Don't worry about it. You know, like we were refunding the money. That, that hot, that tea kettle is somewhere. And so then finally, finally, I've got another tea kettle and I've got green tea and I'm currently jacked on it. So I, I think that, that, that makes for the best podcasts. Yeah, no doubt. What are we doing tonight, Shafe? We are welcoming a good friend of ours, a good friend of the shows too, by her mother, super fan, Ellen Ferguson. Uh, her daughter is an old friend of mine, Lindsay Anderberg, and we're really glad to have her tonight, aren't we? Is this when I say hi? <laughs> hi, hi, Lindsay. <laughs> hi, guys. Hi, Mom. That's everybody. Matthew, everyone. Lindsay, Lindsay, it's Matthew. It's you and my mom. I, I, I hope at some point we can get all the children of the super fans on the show. That's what moms like to hear is their kids on imaginary radio. You know, that's thrilling for moms <laughs> worldwide. That's what's making me nervous is that I know my mom's listening. Okay. All right. Well, that makes it more exciting all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> It would be interesting for Ellen Ferguson and Lindsay Anderberg to go toe-to-toe -to -toe on poor choices. Mm. Mm. Has your mom Actually, ever made any poor choices? No. They, no. They, they both have made a lot of very excellent choices. And that's All good choices. That's why they're the lovely so ladies that they are today. Whoa, who is that? That's sorry, me. Sorry, the... Uh, uh, the Diary of the Wimpy Kid audiobook was synced to the <laughs> robot speaker here, and it, it just yeah. came on. So if we want to do a robot beat, I'll have to compete with Diary of a Wimpy Kid. We've, we've had some technical issues lately. Uh, Lindsay, um, before we get into the interview proper, let us tell you what happened in the last episode. We had a great episode where we talked to our friend Jeff, the the author of Cues from the J, he, he's, he has mind-bending questions for people and it makes his wife very uncomfortable. And so we've taken the pressure off of her and brought him onto the show and so we can discuss the, these mind-bending. Like, uh, give, give Lindsay an example so she knows what I'm talking Deep about. Deep philosophical questions like watermelon or cantaloupe. Where mm -hmm. do you stand, Lindsay? Yeah, I get, I'm like, what am I doing here? Am I supposed to answer? Uh, I would go with watermelon. You know, nice. with a cantaloupe. A watermelon, yeah. the worst it can be is kind of tasteless, but a cantaloupe can really go bad. That was kind of what we thought too. But it that's the most, that, wait, that's the most cogent answer I've heard so far. Ah, do I win a prize? How does this work? You, you uh, become a guest on the program. <laughs> that's <laughs> your prize. <laughs> I know, oh, we're, work, we're working on the prizes. We're hoping they get okay. better over time. All right, I'll give you my mailing address after the show. Lindsay, okay. of all, all the possible afterlifes in the various mythologies and theologies around the world, what is the most appealing sounding to you? No, 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 no. Which is most, wait, 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 no. It's, it's which, what, what afterlife scenario is most plausible of major religions or any that you've heard and which would you prefer? That's that's your and Jeff's question, but that's not necessarily my. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. 
Okay. I mean, I, I'm a, you know, I'm an atheist, so I do think that it just goes dark. I think it's like when you get anesthesia and it's just, <laughs> okay. and, you just and but maybe, maybe after the anesthesia, you wake up somewhere else because I wouldn't rule out some sort of, where does that, where's the energy go, right? Maybe it gets reconstituted, but I think it blacks. Uh, where it goes, I don't know. I don't even want to like, I don't know. I think it kind of ruins it to think about that. I don't know. My brain hasn't gone. I really don't have one. A bunch so, of virgins wouldn't do it for me. I don't know where I, I don't know. That's the only one I can think of. Harps so, or virgins. I don't know. Neither one sound great. <laughs> how about, how about Valhalla? How about the beer hall with a bunch of Vikings? Eh, eh, I would get old. I don't think it's a good afterlife. She's yeah, like, how, lo how long have we been at this party? Probably kind of stinks. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of those, of those poorly, poorly dressed, uh, uh, hides yeah, I mean, I guess, everywhere. you know, what we like about life is that there's variety, right? So I guess if there's some sort of, uh, yeah, it's hard to pick a thing. That's a good point. If it's one of anything, it's probably going to get old. Yeah. Well, so those maybe, are maybe it is just a rebirth and then you get to do a different type of life. I would, maybe that's my, maybe that's what I'm going for. Well, those are the type of questions that we're getting from Jeff. And we had, and, and the last, the last episode we had him on. And for some, this is mysterious too. This is like superstitious, like metaphysical stuff. My microphone input here, which I check almost every, before every cast, but I didn't check this time. It was jacked all the way to the top. And so we had this recording of this great conversation where every time I chimed in, it was super loud and blown out and distorted. And so, so I brought this up to let everybody know that this episode 63 might get posted before episode 62 as I go back through and try to salvage the audio. So. Yeah, Jeff, if you're hearing about this, don't worry. We didn't, we didn't shit can your episode. Yeah, he's going to be like, episode. he's going to be like, what happened? They, sh they, they got rid of me. We just skipped. We just skipped a number. Lindsay, do you? I, I really like to imagine Cat. You know, can you imagine just this guy sitting? Like you're trying to like cook for the kid, and you know, deal, put your child to bed, and get ready for your class. You know, the class you're teaching tomorrow morning. And there's this guy sitting there being like, what do you think is the most probable? <laughs> like, like shut, shut. I don't care. I'm trying to cook here. You know, like, I, I, I understand cats because cat said that, you know, hearing us dis describe it, she, she likes the questions a lot better. And I was like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. If you're, if you're just trying to like do your normal life, it's horrible. But if you're, if you're trying to fill a podcast, that's uh and, and you're full of nonsense anyway, uh, but it's perfect. I'm bad at these two because I always want to redo, you know? It's the type of thing that sticks in your head and you're like, oh, that was hey, terrible. Redo, redo. We are, all about, we are all about redos around here. You're, you're welcome to a redo right now, go. The show has effectively been 60 No, I don't have a good one now. I mean, you wake up at 3 a.m. and you're like, ah, redo. That's, that's why we have feedback at onemagicalhour.com. You can always get at us. Get at us, feedback. You guys out there in One Magical Nation, we would love to hear from you on what you think is probable and what you would most like to happen in the afterlife. Bring it on. That was a, that was a really fun episode that 
it's possible none of you have heard yet. <laughs> so, so let's let's enjoy this. And now I just I think we should we should just release sixty three before sixty two, just because that's at this point that sounds fun. It's a good teaser now. Yeah, it's, it's funny, right? Yeah. Uh, and it'll let the super fans know why I think the audio is going to sound okay, but it's going to be a little like variable. Like I'm just going through and I'm just, cu- I'm just cutting myself and I'm dropping myself like seven decibels and it's okay. It sounds all blown out. But anyway, that's not Lindsay's problem. That's not the listener's problem. That's our problem. We, we got to handle our own business here. Can I ask if you know of other super fans besides my mom? Oh, yeah. I know you have fans, but I mean super fans. Yeah, yeah. Kat and Jeff. Okay. They're married super fans. Nice. Manish Bandari. Okay. Super fan. Uh, Jameson and Brian. Yeah, basically all of our best friends. Nice. Uh, And then, but there's, there's also some, like, some friends of Kat and Jeff's out in Seattle. Um, have listened and got back at us. Those are people who we've never met. So we're particularly Ooh. proud of them. Yeah. We, see you, we see you out there in the Pacific Northwest, folks. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, though, like, definitely, like, trying to figure out how to say this without uh, getting into too much trouble. I think it's a big imaginary radio joke when we address our fans, first thing. Yeah, you no, know, I, 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 that's part of the fun is that um, we're treating this like it's for real. Yeah. Well, I think it is for real. Well, I was fishing for you to say that, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I actually told one of my friends today, how did she hear about it, that I was going to do this? And she was like, but wait, is it real? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> each one teach one was like but can you like get it where you get podcasts or you mean they're gonna like send it in an email or on youtube or something i was like no no no, get it where you get your podcast it's yeah. so yeah. funny because it would be just as real as if, real if we put it on youtube i you know that's confusing for everybody <laughs> i think part of the question was will we see your faces or not yeah oh my my aunt was she kept saying how do i see you right. <laughs> you know and I was like, well, you know. Well, we can see each other right now, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I that, think that's... That's, that's better really, than, than if it was just an audio interview, I think. It makes the interview a little easier, I think, yeah. I'm in, of course, the grand hall in my home. This is the grand dining hall. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. it's the fake garage, of course. Lindsay, um, I think you might be the first guest who wasn't like, Oh, that's uh, I, I really like that uh, that tennis racket back there. Something somebody always comments on the tennis racket or the water uh, water heater. I was ready to go with the grand hall. Uh, <laughs> okay. <imagination. laughs> You're like it's nicely appointed. I like your candlesticks, but never mind. You guys ruined it. So. I don't. I don't usually have that light on in my living room, so you can see the 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 bright red wall in the back mm. there. That's that's kind of fun. Yeah, it's like red drum back there. I have uh, pictures behind me that were co-drawn by me and the three-year-old. I'm going to take a screenshot so that our fans can look. Oh, I should get more of the... So that Ellen Ferguson and Manish Bandari can look. (laughs) Uh, You know who else? Uh, Lindsay, you know who else is a super fan is Alex Battles. 
But oh, yeah. And you know what? I think I, I, and Alex has been on a couple times, right? Yeah, he's sort of, He's kind know, of part of the show. There yeah. are a few people who have, you know, kind of become recurring characters. Jeff and Kat, uh, your, your mom is on her way. Contributors. And, you know, they're, they're moving past, moving past Superfan and into uh, just their part of the show. So we're crowdsourcing I, producers. And uh, I, it's, I, I definitely, I, I mean, obviously I was excited to have you on just to talk to you, but I was also excited to have, you know, you come on and kind of expand the character that is Ellen Ferguson. Um, Cause I, I just, I think it's delightful that she's a part of this thing. Well, you know, because I kept calling for Renee to get on this show. And I was like, how did I get a call before Renee? I think I got a. I think uh, it was my super fan connection that got I, me. Yeah, it was definitely Ellen. Ellen's got a lot of pull around here. Mm -hmm. uh, I got to chat with Matthew about this, but I'm pretty sure we'll have Renee next weekend, actually. Woo! All right. Well, I'll listen to that one. Uh, and. You now, guys are too prolific. There's too many. I can't. I can't catch up that quickly. So yeah, that's it's why like I'm we're like choose. we're well, like Prince. We're like the symbol that used to be Prince. Save it. That's exactly what I was thinking. I can just <laughs> Lindsay. Yeah. Save it for when you have to do like a software transfer at your office or something, or you know, there's going to be times in your life when you're going to need this, and you're going to go back and listen. I know this room because I'm a fan of other podcasts like this, and th there will be a few times when you're just going to find yourself, and you'll be able to just reel off like ten of them, and it's going to be very good. No, that's what the connection to the super fan is for too. I'm like, mom, what's like the good one? What's the one you fell asleep to? And then that's how, you know, sometimes you need to fall asleep. Okay, guys, you guys, uh, you guys want to join me uh, in a new, in a new section of the show, a brand new, could I get a beat, Matthew? Um, sure, Shiffy. Um, I'm sorry that I wasn't just at the ready here. Um, oh, oh wait, yeah. oh wait, wait, wait. Let me see if the speaker came back. Uh, it may, it may be, uh, it may be Diary of the Wimpy Kid. <laughs> I, I just kind of decided that this was. A oh, there it is. There's Diary of the Wimpy Kid. She says I have to go back tomorrow. And oh, it's mixed with the beat. Whoa, a mashup. It kind of works. I like it. Okay, so I gotta turn that speaker back off. Welcome to new, uh, new. Let me, let me send a text inside the house. New section of the show. Questions from Jeff from Schaefer. This is a. I was, as I said, I was doing laundry before, and uh, my landlord has uh, a lot of really cool stuff in the garage where our our shared laundry laundry uh, machine is. Uh, and it occurred to me, I was asking myself, what makes art? And I was like, man, that's a, that's, that's a question from Jeff, for Jeff, that I will ask Matthew and Lindsay instead. And let me tell you exactly what, what was going on. Let me set the scene for you. Uh, I went down there. Uh, my landlord makes cool, uh, makes cool art of his own out of old, like rusty metal that he finds. Uh, but he has just, it's just screwed to the wall. And what it is, it's the top of a table from an old wood shop from like 70 years ago. And there's, you know, just 
random holes drilled in it and weird uh, graffiti, you know, it's like boom, boom, used to be here and, uh, you know, a, you know, a drawing of a, of a hammer, you know, and just stuff written on it. And I look at this and, and, and you know, all it's just, it's, it's, so it's screwed up to the wall. So that, you know, that's what you do with art. So instantly you screw anything up on the wall, it becomes art is one of the things I was thinking, but this, uh, just, it makes me so happy and it makes me nostalgic and it, it's mysterious too because it has all of those weird clues on it, different people's lives. And I was like, man, this, you know, engages me in ways that lots of art that I've seen just hasn't at all. You know? And, you know, so that's, that, that was going on. But then I was wondering, it's like, it's really all it takes to make art is to just nail it to the wall. Any thoughts? Um, I mean, I guess to me, I think if you're actually making art, I think there needs to be some intention on the creator's part. That's the only difference I would say. Because otherwise, I think it's just something that you're finding beautiful or intriguing, or right? Because like nature is beautiful and intriguing or spooky or something, but it's not made as art. But if you take a leaf and press it and put it in a frame and put it on that the has leaf. intention, right? Yeah, I think so something in the was, intent in the making. It was my, it was my landlord Bill's intention of putting it on yeah. the wall that made it art. Yeah. Well, I think it's two parts. It's you need to have the intention of the creator and then the uh, response of the viewer. And I mean, you know, graffiti is definitely yeah. So there's intent and there's, uh, you know, universally recognized as art these days. That's what I think it is. I mean, I think it has to be something that's done sort of in conversation, I guess. Otherwise, it's, you know, I, I don't see I it mean, as a one-sided thing. I definitely brought the conversation. Yeah. Know? I mean, the other, the other cool thing you brought about the laundry this, and the conversation. You did it all. The other cool thing about this to me is that, you know, when after I decided that it was art, it was art created by, you know, 50 different artists. You know, mm -hmm. every every kid who had a hand in that, every kid who drilled a hole in it, every kid who drew a drew a you know an off color picture or something or whatever it was. I don't I don't know if there's any actually off color pictures on there, but it's the sort of thing that you wouldn't surprise to find on there. Um, and I'm looking at the art behind you, Lindsay, and that appeals to me a great deal too. Speaking of leaves hanging from trees. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is so, our, our fall panel, which actually we just talked about today. We need to update. We're, uh, we're in a whole new season. So. <laughs> yeah. it, you do a seasonal change on your, on your art panels? Well, we had, you know what? I had a blank wall behind me from March until October or something. And everyone at work was like, this is weird, where are you? And I was like, in the one corner of my room, I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing from. And so I don't, but then, yeah, starting in October, uh, you know, my three-year-old really got into like decorating for seasons and, and holidays. And so we've switched out a lot of things um, and it's been fun, you know, also for a pandemic project, like it's kind of nice to like feel the season indoors change things up a little, feel something. Um, in a weird way, I was, I suddenly, it struck me when we did it again for um, 
for New Year's, I was like, oh, this is weird. This is like what your teacher does on the bulletin board at school. And we're just doing it in our home instead of at school, you know, because like our home is school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and everybody's just trying to feel something these days. Yeah, but it gives you something to do, you know, you have a task and it's also creative. And um, yeah, and you, and you, you feel um, a passage of time <laughs> instead of just every day being the same. <laughs> So yeah, we just noticed today that we never changed out this. Other parts of the apartment have all kind of migrated seasons and holidays, and this part has, uh, it needs an update. Although Major. I like they go in the archives, first of all, she now asks, uh, some things rise to the level of the archives, and some things have to go in the trash, because there's a lot of things. Right. Oh, uh, uh, Fiona has her own archive? Mm-hmm, of course. Oh, that's, that's great. I think that we should, for the listener, Lindsay, what do you do with yourself? For, for your... I'm an archivist and a librarian. Right. Okay. Yes. I'm looking at your uh, NYU page and it's, it's oh. a little more, it's a little more flowery, interdisciplinary science and technology librarian and poly archivist, meaning you'll archive anything, right? I know it's always very confusing the poly like the kids either go like oh what or uh it's everything it's from the former Brooklyn Polytechnic Institute so I'm at an ah, engineering school it's now okay. NYU bought us uh seven years ago now so we're no longer Brooklyn Polytechnic we are now NYU Tandon School of Engineering but the archives are still the poly archives because it's still the history of Brooklyn Polytechnic so that's why but the name very confusing um, yeah, and I have a very, very long title, and I'm also now the interim head of the library, so I have an extra title, and uh, I'm hoping that will end soon, and I'll go back to So, let me ask you a question. Does, does, are you a hoarder? Um, like, do you I find, do you find yourself archiving things at home? Becoming an archivist actually is a really good cure for hoarding. So mm. I used to be um, sort of a hoarder. And now I think I've, because part of archiving is not hoarding. Part of archiving is, um, you know, evaluating and accessioning and throwing things out because you're making choices about what mm. you keep. And I think I've gotten much better at doing that. And this is like what I'm doing with my three-year-old now. I'm like, all right, we don't keep everything. What's the thing that's really meaningful? That's what we'll keep. And the other stuff is going to go. And I try to pick sort of like representative things sometimes too. But yeah, it's very much like a practice of what I did. And I've thrown out lots of stuff. It's a good practice. You know, living in a New York City apartment for how long have I been here? 16, 17 years is like a good encouragement of that practice too but yeah i also have an outlet in like i collect other people's stuff now so there's like a very good outlet in not having to collect so much of my own stuff so yeah it's really good if you have a hoarding problem i recommend becoming an archivist actually that's interesting were you about to say something Schaefer? i think i was but i now i can't remember you were at the microphone like you were ready to oh i i Teaching Fiona that that is such an amazing thing to instill at a young age. That's uh, something that I'm sure doesn't occur to a lot of parents, but I, I, I can see that much. That's much more easily learned, you know, at a, like so many things at a young age and getting into that habit. Then I, I, I I'm very jealous for not in that regard. I, I wished I had had more practice with that when I was young. Schaefer's I mean, a hoarder. Uh, yeah, what, I, what I'm saying is I'm, a, I'm basically a hoarder. She asks for more and more things every day and like doesn't want, so yeah, it's a, it'll have to be a practice. 
yeah. But I'd like for you to know that everything I have is special. And I know you do have a lot of special things. You have a lot of cool things. Some of it reminds me of the two of you. Great. Uh, well, what, I know what I know what mementos you have of me. What mementos do you have of Lindsay? Actually, you know something that popped up, Lindsay, was this. You sent me this postcard with this unicorn on it, and the unicorn was psychedelic. It had it had red eyes. <laughs> and that actually ended up. It was. You remember at the mongoose, we used to put poems up on the uh, up on the back wall behind. You know, we had this big steel wall around, built around the keg fridge, and uh, Mike Mike Sammons would hand scrawl, use chalk to scrawl weird poems up on there. And it just happened uh, that we needed a new poem. And I found that postcard from you. And I wrote this, I wrote this poem about a, about a crazy red-eyed wild unicorn. And, uh, and, it, and it went up on the wall for, it was, it was up on the wall of the mongoose for like a year. So uh, well done, well done both you and me for hoarding, you know? Yeah. Sometimes that, it pays uh, off. Sometimes it really pays off. Wouldn't existed. Wouldn't have existed if Lindsay wasn't such a good corresponder, uh, which she is. It really was for a long time, and I thought that's what I was about to say. I like there was a time when uh, I was sending postcards and letters to everyone a lot, and that's why I don't remember that one because I sent so many, and now I've really fallen down on that. But you know, you've met my friend Elijah, who lives in Tokyo, right? Mm -hmm. And there was a time he was. It was when he was living in Nakatsugawa, which was like. 15 years ago, but I had been sending him especially a lot of postcards because he was living so far away. And when I went to visit him in Japan, his, it was like I opened the door to his bathroom and it was just covered with postcards. <laughs> like 75% of them were for me. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I didn't remember sending these to you. So I don't know. It That's is cool. Yeah, I was, I was really good about it for a while. And then, uh, I don't know. I, Let me ask um, you. A but I think I'll get back into it. And I'm glad, you know, yeah. Let me ask you a question that I end up asking a lot of guests on this program. How did you meet Schaefer? Oh, well, I met Schaefer at the Four Face Liar, which is probably an answer that a lot of people give. I don't know, maybe not. Somewhat common answer, yeah. Let me see, out of 100 uh, respondents, how did you meet Schaefer? <laughs> survey says, I think it's like the two, number two answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's no, I mean, I just, I met him at the Four Face Liar. There's no like crazier story, I don't think. Okay. Um, and you said you've been in New York 16, 17 years. Where, where did you move there from? Uh, so I was in college before, so I was in Pennsylvania, and I grew up in Maryland. In Maryland, okay. Is that where Ellen Ferguson lives in Maryland? That's where Ellen Ferguson is right now as she listens to us. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, what's it like growing up in Maryland? What's that like? What's, what's the town? in Mary, Maryland. <laughs> um, the town I grew up in is called Damascus. Um, it is right in the middle of the state and it's sort of equidistant between DC and Baltimore, if you mm. can kind of picture that. Um, when I grew up, it was very rural still. It was like a, a cow farming, a dairy town, lots of dairy farms. Um, now when I go back there, it's weird because so many of the farms have been sold and they're all filled with like McMansions and townhouses and stuff. And people I think are actually commuting to Baltimore and DC now, um, which didn't really used to happen. So it, was, uh, it became the suburbs. 
Yeah, like it slowly became the suburbs. And I think when I was growing up, it was kind of like had a foot in rural and a foot in suburban. And it was, um, but yeah, like pretty rural, suburban, white, middle class. Um, yeah. You ever uh, drive a tractor? No, but I used to drive. My mom actually at one point got a pretty cool, it's a, uh, ooh, I'm going to get the, like the, all of this wrong and she can write in and correct me but she got this like chevy pickup i think it was like an 87 though this big red chevy pickup i don't shaper did you ever see that thing or was it did you have it to clip I've, driven, I've driven that pickup oh you drove it okay <laughs> so not a tractor but we drove that thing around oh yeah we drove that to lou and joe's uh and played kino yeah i love that pickup yeah no, that was pretty great. Yeah, she uh, she either sold or gave that to Cliff a few years ago. So uh. that's not around anymore. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I wasn't involved in any kind. But we did, like when I was growing up, we had chickens. We had a pig for a little bit. We had, a, we had goats before that. So, you know, it was like I had to like feed chickens before I went to school in the morning. And that was kind of a ugh. Bucolic. Pastoral. Sort of. And then it became just suburban. <laughs> <laughs> That's like such a sad story. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. That's a Joni Mitchell song waiting to happen. Um, I know. I, yeah. Ellen, Ellen, is there a Maryland accent? There are Maryland accents. But you know what? Maryland's a very strange state. I actually, there was a student at our, that was working in the library with me um, a few years ago. And I, ca I really thought he was from like Tennessee or something. And he was from the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Like, it's a weird place because you have, it's a tiny state. Um, and it's, it's very geographically divided. Yeah, but it's so different. Right, not are, geographically, geophysically divided. Yeah, like if you're over on, you know, the Eastern Shore or if you're over in the mountains, you're pretty much in West Virginia. Um, you can be down next to D.C. Like, it's very different. Um, but what is the thing? People, uh, some people do that, like, wash thing mm. Oh, yeah. mm. Um, that's something i associate with south south jersey too yeah uh baltimore has a big like hun is mm. there Balmer hun? <laughs> um, but i i don't know i i mean but Tom, my husband thinks that i have an accent and i don't hear it but one of the things that we always get and he is from new york but um i say i think i kind of uh I don't know the word for this. I kind of like uh, make make a lot of similar sounds instead of being dis distinct. So like monotone. Uh, no, like between like my my vowels, I think are all kind of a mush. So like his <laughs> thing that he always gets on me is like I say the words "Merry Christmas," the girl's name Mary, and "You get married" are all "Merry, Merry, Merry" to me. And he says "Merry, Merry, Merry." I can't even do that. Oh. I, I, and he's uh, like, did you not learn an E and an A growing up? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> so. I think they're I think they're all the same to me. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. There's actually there's a really cool map of it. Oh, maybe maybe you guys were looking at this too. When I was working at Columbia, I know there were some people in linguistics that were like doing these maps and doing all these uh, uh, surveys of people in terms of like what is your regional dialect and different words that you use. I know there's a few of them out there. Lindsay, have you taken the New York Times quiz, the algorithm quiz? Uh, it's on the uh i'll send it to you you gotta okay. try it okay. it's like tw 27 questions one of them is like what do you call 
the uh, the road that you use to get onto a highway, you know, things yeah, like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. If I haven't taken, I've taken things like that before. Yeah, it nailed me. Uh, it's to San Antonio. Ooh, you know, that specifically. However, it told my dad that he <laughs> that he was from Mississippi, uh, Jackson specifically, I think. Uh, which you know, my dad might have driven through the state of Mississippi once. You know, <laughs> which I but I wonder, you know, because he grew up in the Rio Grande Valley, which is a specific, strange, you know, pocket of South Texas. Uh, you know, and I just you know, uh, South Texas is one thing, but the Rio Grande Valley, you know, is even is even more specific. Uh, Part of the reason I asked that question is because we have just. We just had an episode about regional accents and specifically uh-huh. about variations in Texas accents. And uh-huh. do you, do you do you find that Schaefer and I have Texas accents? Do you when you hear us, do you think Texas I, or Southerner or anything? I can hear it on certain words. I think Texas right. is weird because I've met people from Texas that I think have no accent at all. Right. But I have no idea they're from from Texas. Dan Rather. And then, oh, I didn't know that. Well, he's from Texas, and then he was part of the Great American News Speak. I mean, you know, I I joke that I learned to speak from Tom Brokaw on MTV, and so. Well, that's like my dad, actually, who maybe will rope him into being a super fan, but he is from just outside of Boston, and he taught himself how to not speak with that accent because he was a kid growing up in the 50s with TV and was like, oh, smart. That's stupid. I'm going to talk like these guys. But it was always very strange. Can he turn it on if he wants to? I think he, yeah, he kind of can, but it's really weird because like his parents and his sister all had the accent and he just didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And he grew up in the area where everyone did. Ornery ornery little bastard. (laughs) Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, Lindsay, I wanted to just talk to you a little bit more about Barkhive. I know it's not going on right now, but it's coming back, right? Uh, for, I hope for, so. I hope for so. One Magical Nation, Lindsay does this really cool thing where, uh, where archivists meet at bars, and the subject, does the bar suggest the subject, or the subject suggests the bar, or how does that work exactly? Um, yeah, so both kind of play off of each other. I mean, the, so this series runs, it was running as a, a monthly series. Um, so it's an archival outreach series, really, but like bar, it's archives. So like, the bar is really central to it. And I run this with one other person, Christina, who's the archivist at Pratt in New York, in Brooklyn. And um, yeah, like what we do is we really try to pair the bar and the archives. So we want something that's going to make sense um, thematically. So usually that kind of relates to something that the bar is about. And we try to tie it to neighborhood as much as we can too. So like archives that are kind of in the neighborhood of the bar, and if they're not exactly in the neighborhood, we have like a strong, a very strong thematic tie between the two of them. Um, yeah, and the whole idea is like that it's not just for archivists, like doing it in bars. Like we're, I'm really into the idea of those bars as a third place, you know, and that this yeah, is yeah. This where uh, yeah. I, I was getting kind of like, I was really getting into, you know, as like an archivist, you know, I was really into outreach and engagement with people but so many of those events and things I was going to were always like 
at a university or in a library or in the archives. Um, and it made more sense that if you're gonna do something to go somewhere that's not those spaces. But then it's also really cool because bars, you know, I mean, we're centered in New York and bars have like really cool stories and histories. And uh, a lot of them have something that's kind of like thematic about them. And so it actually, and there's, and there's tons and tons of museums and libraries and archives uh, in the city too. So like actually it kind of builds itself, but every month we were kind of scrambling to be like, okay, who could make, and sometimes we'd lead with the bar and sometimes we'd lead with the archives. Like sometimes we'd have a bar, we'd be like, oh, okay, well, like, we know someone here, we could do it here, what archives matches? And sometimes we'd have an archivist who's like, I have a really cool collection. Like, do you have a bar that's about botanic things? And we'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we'll find a bar that like does botanic stuff somehow. What would you say are your, your kind of favorite, most successful pairings? Ooh, oh, that's tough. I mean, I liked all of them. Uh, I was talking to you about the ear in the other day. I loved yeah, yeah. Them. So that was one that we did a repeat at. So we really liked it. And uh, Rip Heyman is the guy who owns the, the ear in and he's been there since the 60s. And he has like a whole loft above the bar and he does poetry readings and things. So I mean, it's kind of funny, like some of this is sort of like poetry readings in bars in a way, you know, but it's just doing archives instead. But we love that because we had people that were working with maritime archives and, and the year in is all, it was like a, a sailor's bar. So that fit. Um, so that one worked so out. I'm so happy to hear that, that, uh, that year in is still a going concern. Uh, yeah. And there's, I mean, at the last I checked, like they're still hanging in there. I mean, that's been one of the things too, like early on in the pandemic, I was like, checking in on like all of the archives for their GoFundMes and like trying to, you know, but I, I think those guys, those guys will probably make it. I mean, more established bars, I think are going to be, I hope, I hope are going to be okay. But like, it's the newer ones that I'm kind yeah. of thinking about. And that was something we tried too. Like we really tried to get at like different neighborhoods and like older bars and newer bars. And uh, so, so yeah, we have like a whole, a whole variety of them, but it was cool too. Cause like I learned about, like when we tried to do that botanic thing, we put, there's a bar called Sycamore, Sycamore Bar and Flower Shop in Kensington, Brooklyn. And it's really cool. It is a bar and a flower shop. And, uh, you know, I, a lot with like botanic archives. I think when Lizzie lived down there, I think that was her neighborhood bar. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you also mentioned KGB bar and oh, I wanted yeah. to kind of cross another one that I'm excited about, another one that, I, that I've uh, I've read at before. I gave a re couple readings at the year end. Uh, I gave a reading at KGB. They had a really, they've had a few really successful reading series uh, mm -hmm. with a lot of like, you know, real famous writers. Uh, but the KGB bar, I was wondering if you could shed some light on this. There was Siberia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, supposedly that was in an old, uh, you know, K Russian safe house. And then I think the story was supposedly the same thing. There was a, there was a trend in the late nineties to open a bar in Manhattan and tell people that it used to be a Russian safe house during the cold war. Uh, and, and I think maybe, maybe that was true of one bar and then all the rest of them kind of just made it up. But was the KGB, uh, was that true about that one? No, not exactly, but it does have a, oh man, I'm going to get this wrong. KGB was actually, it wasn't like a, it, it was a meeting place for, I think it was the Ukrainian, I think it was like a Ukrainian church group actually, which might've also involved like some Ukrainian socialists or whatever as part of the group. 
but the guy, and I'm like totally blanking on his name, who owns the bar, went there as a child with his father. And like, he was pointing out all these pieces of the bar that actually were the same as when it was like this Ukrainian church slash community space. So that, that, that was true that he, and then I was talking to him about, he was like, what are archives? I was like, you have archives. <laughs> and there actually are like Ukrainian archives in the city. And I was like, I mean, you should think about your stuff. Like it should go to somebody. Um, no, that, that one. So, you know, that, that one has, yeah, some like legit history to it, but then, you know, he has a whole story about how he kind of like took that over in the nineties and it was a performance space and it was a gallery and then it was, you know, then became the bar. Um, so I wish I could remember more of it. I mean, actually, one of the things that I really loved about Barchives is that they are, they were meeting in person and they were sort of, you know, ephemeral in that way. Actually, when we were at KGB, the person who booked us for that at KGB was like, you should turn this into a podcast. And I was like, no, what we want is for people to get together in person, in spaces, in person. And, and you wouldn't want to cheap, you wouldn't want to cheapen it like that. I know, exactly. <laughs> well, no, I mean, one of the things we were very sad, and it's weird because this, you know, like now I think we feel this even more, but even, you know, before the pandemic, we were feeling like we spend a lot of time like on our computers and on screens and uh, looking at shows on our screen and listening to things like on our own. And what we really want is like to make people come together, that they have to come here if they're going to hear the story. Um, well, like, have little recaps on our website, but like it's not really we don't archive that bit of it. Like you have to come if you really want to talk to people and see the stuff, you know. Well, in the Roaring Twenties, you know, archives could have like a, a big part of that. You know, it's going to be when people get back together, people are going to really be together, man. I know that's what I keep thinking too. I'm like yeah. everyone's, and I think the city's going to get like really fun and weird. I keep reminding yeah. people of a. Uh, of the renaissance <laughs> and, you know, like after the black death there was the renaissance right. we'll be That's fine right. yeah it'll yeah, be yeah. Really weird um but yeah i don't know but yeah i mean we're definitely on indefinite hiatus we, we like we did one virtual archives over the summer which was actually really awesome it was with um Near's Tavern, which is in Queens, and that's where Goodfellas was shot. They kind of have that claim to fame, and they're one of the oldest bars in the city. They're approaching their 200th birthday. Um, wow. And, and Loy, who owns that bar, is just like very engaging, and he's also been real. that bar was in the news in January of 2020, because the, the landlord raised the rent, and they were going to be shut down, and like he got Bill de Blasio there to have a drink and like stop this rent hike, and so he's been really like keeping it going, but it's, you know, it's been, anyway, so that virtual one I think worked mainly because he's like so engaging and he'd done a lot of media stuff and he was like really good at it. But otherwise, I mean, we kind of tried to do another one and people were like, yo, we're just trying to like get by. We don't have time sure. <laughs> to sure, sure. now. And we were like, yeah, we get it. And then we had one that kind of like wanted us to in September wanted us to come back and do something at their bar. And we were like, I just don't think this is that we're not ready yet. Like we don't want to, yeah, we don't want to be the event that's like the super spreader event. Exactly. Even, <laughs> like, even, even we're wearing like, masks. I'm not invited because Lindsay told us to come. And it's like, <laughs> and that's, that's been a funny thing for us, right? Cause you reopen your bar and you know, you need to make, you need to make money. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, anything 
you know, people come and say, oh, you know, what are you doing for the Super Bowl? And it's just like nothing, yeah. you know. I know. People are like, anything that would encourage, you know, we've been, you know, having our regulars come through. But, yeah. you know, any, anything that would be promoted and encourage people to come feels irresponsible. And so it's right. totally counterintuitive. I know. No, it's awful. I, I feel so bad for everyone that's in this situation. It's really terrible. I, but, you know, the, the thing, and it all, you know, it all comes back to that third place thing. Yeah. You know, our, our regulars, you know, people know what's going on. They're coming oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're taking, you know, they're helping out mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. all of those things. I learned about, I learned the expression third place uh, kind of just as we were uh, starting to pitch the front page to people. But it was, you know, it was something that I knew about in my heart the whole time. And, yeah, And I was like, yeah. oh, this is what I've been trying to say, you know, yeah. like, um, Shafi, finally. Shafi, what, what does the expression third place mean? Third, uh, third place just has to do with the fact that basically every human being needs a place that's not work and not their home mm. in order to meet and just do yeah. everything. You know, it's the Anisha's whole porch. Yeah, no, Manisha's Porch actually is a third place for a lot of people, particularly, particularly uh, in in the in in the last year. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. But it's you know, and it just goes back, you know, to the whole, you know, if 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 it's a good bartender at a good bar, you know, you end up being people, some people's therapists, and some people's confessor, mm -hmm. and some people's uh, you know, art, art artistic patron, and some people, you know some people's uh, uh, life coach and some people's uh, occupational advisor, all of those things. And that's, that's you know, where you have to come uh, because I'd be interested to hear more about the psychology of it. But, home, you know, home is where you rest and eat and clean yourself and, you know, do these important, I would call it kind of the, the work of being alive happens at home. And then of course the work that you need to do to make money, whatever, you know, whether you love your occupation or not, you know, you, you, your, your work and, you know, even people who have, uh, who have home offices, you know, they would say, they would talk about, you know, you have to make that office different from your house. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, but then you need another place where, cause that's to do those things that, that are more than just, uh, just your physical maintenance, more than, more than just eating or or cleaning yourself, uh, the things that uh, things that make us who we are as as uh, as humans as artists, culture, you know. Well, I think I, now that you're saying it, I think that my third place is the podcast right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because because everything's jacked up, like all the places are together right now. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Like this, this is the big, um, you know, what we're all feeling is that lack of a third place. You know, there's kind of talk of like, oh, you can't go to a concert or you can't go to a stadium. And those things are sort of like, oh yeah, that's a bummer. I might've done that like a couple of times. But like, I, I think that those are more like one-off events and that it's the third places that really hurt us, right? It's like the stuff that you count on going to as your community and your regular, like your more regular, yeah places that you that you meet up with people and that you do things and it could be a bar it could i mean it could be church it could be um 
a public library, it could be a park, like there's, and, and that we've had to shift where all those third places are. Um, and some and the, of it gets shifted outside, like to Manisha's porch, and some of it gets shifted to virtual. And, but yeah, like we really do crave that as, uh, you know, like- And a, there are places that you, there are places that you particularly need if say there's something threatening the health of the entire world or yeah. the uh, dramatic change of, uh, a government institution or you know all of, all of the things that we've been yeah. dealing with in the last year are things that you would that you would go to your third place to to get let me suggest let me suggest a show let me suggest a show title uh finding the third place with lindy with lindsay anderberg <laughs> three people three people <laughs> Three people yeah. in a third place. Look, you're 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 in charge of the show titles, so it's just a suggestion. It's just a friendly suggestion. The title of uh, the title of this episode is going to be "Okay, Fine, Jack Sparrow," because <laughs> if you put the words "Jack Sparrow" in the title of an episode, it for some reason gets like 150 more downloads than any of the other episodes. <laughs> I don't know why that is. That's what we've learned. I thought that Ariana Grande was going to pull it off for us. No, Ariana Grande doesn't get you shit. She can't hold a candle to Jack Sparrow. No. Randy Newman, he ain't no Jack Sparrow. Also, I want to clarify again that some of those people might be searching for Captain Jack Sparrow, the Johnny Depp character from the Black Pearl, but but there's also the golfer, and I think that's pulling a bunch of names too. <laughs> Jack Sparrow, the golfer. There's also Jack Sparrow, the house. What's the, wait, what's that? <laughs> Lindsay, do you know about the Jack Sparrow house? Shafee, what's Jack Sparrow, the house? <laughs> oh, oh, right. The Jack Sparrow house. Lindsay, Jack Sparrow house was, do you, you remember hearing about Quibi? Uh, or do you, or maybe you don't. Do you know Quibi. about Quibi? Were you a Quibi subscriber? Quibi was a streaming service that very briefly existed that only had, all the content was only 10 minute episodes. So they did all kinds of, they did reality shows, they did uh, fiction shows, but the, it was all in this 10 minute format. And you know. It was, things, it was meant to be watched on your mobile device. They raised, <laughs> billions of dollars and it was this huge tech investment that was there was just a total failure uh and just dramatically it was a real head scratcher in every which way but after and after it had gone under uh through a tweet my brother forwarded uh something to me there <laughs> one of the shows was a reality show called jack sparrow house in which there were like 15 Jack Sparrow impersonators. Captain Jack and Sparrow. This is an, yeah, the, the, the guy from the movie, you know, the character from Johnny Depp's character in the movie. Mm -hmm. Based on Keith Richards. Of that guy. And the, uh, one of the producers described it as more of a, more, uh, anyway, the, the idea was, whoever stayed in the house the longest and you had to stay in character the whole time and whoever for 10 minutes or there's just a lot of 10 minute episodes of people staying in character for well the, that's these they just kept the cameras rolling 
on these 15 guys being Jack Sparrow in the Jack Sparrow house. They couldn't drop character. And whoever stayed there the longest was going to get a prize. But they ended up having to can the whole series because <laughs> what is this like, because of two unrelated uh, arrests for public defecation. Um, one of the guys... One of the guys had to drop out because he realized that they were 500 feet away from an elementary school. One of the, it turns out, it turns out if you, if you go down to Hollywood and Vine and find yourself 15 Jack Sparrow impersonators and put them in a house, it's going to be a lot of, <laughs> it's going to be volatile, put it that way. Yeah, it, kind of, it sounds good. I think you sold me on it. So quick. I, <laughs> yeah right There's, no and i've been meaning to do this just because we we've talked about the show a lot on 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 uh one magical hour so i've been meaning to actually dig into youtube or whatever just to see if we can find any of it uh i'll, I'll try to do that at, uh, after we sign off tonight and put it up on the facebook page just oh for, we're for signing pleasure we're gonna sign off tonight i thought I, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we've just we've just scratched the surface. I know. We just started of things to talk about, Lindsay. Uh, it's funny. The original one of the original kind of taglines concepts for the show was you know making poor choices. Uh, I w I wanted to call the show making poor choices, uh, where we where we and other people just told tales of making poor choices. The I you know the idea was. Uh, you know, and that was very much kind of therapy. Um, and but as soon as we started, we just had we ended up having nice conversations with each other where we didn't talk about poor choices we made, we just talked about how we were feeling and what's going on in the world. And it, it was, turned into it was, sickening positivity, right? It was really it was quick. Nice, and we didn't, it was probably 10 episodes before we even brought up a poor choice. Uh, and uh, but we still. We still sign off with uh, the poor of the choices, the sweet of the wine, as I'm sure you know from your many listens. She doesn't know. Uh -huh. nobody, nobody listens till the end. <laughs> nobody seems to make it to the end. That's, we, that's why we put all the good stuff right up front. But I thought, you know, after the archives, Lindsay and I have certainly spent our share of time in bars. And, you know, honestly, I couldn't really think of uh, any times when things went horribly awry for us. But I did think of some very funny times one of which was there are many uh, karaoke, also karaoke is an important thing on this show, uh, are many karaoke performances of the duet picture, the duet between Sheryl Crow and Kid Rock, uh, the many times we've performed that. And one of them was, what happened? You and I ended up on like a cold December night, not with, it was just the two of us, in a, like a Koreatown karaoke bar. We we're sitting like at the bar close to the closest to the window. Uh, and it was just us and like seven strangers. And the mic was kind of just being passed around. And we did it there. We didn't even stand up. We just, we, we sat there, we were leaning over our drinks and then we sang into the mic. And I don't know why we were in that neighborhood. You know, it was somewhere just kind of North Chelsea, basically. I don't know why we were there. I don't know why none of our friends were there. I can't for the life of me remember, but it's, it's, it's very, definitely a very fond memory. Um, but just one of those things, I wish I could put together what was happening before or what was happening after that 
that led to this anomalous, you know, because there are some neighborhoods in New York where, you know, even though you've lived there 10 years, you maybe have only been there once or you've never even been there. And that's how that, that felt to me. Uh, for the uh, listener, uh, Lindsay is shrugging as if she doesn't remember <laughs> anything that Schaefer is talking about, which makes me want to ask a follow-up question after we talk about this, which is, are you an archivist because you have a poor memory? But I'm sorry, let's get back to the, <laughs> let's get back to the, because that makes it like if you had a really poor memory, you'd be like, I want to be really organized. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I'm no, sorry. That's a good answer. Do, do you remember any of that that Schaefer's talking about? I do not. And this is why I was nervous when he was like, I'll talk, let's talk about archives. And I was like, oh, you want to talk about the thing I created and loved that's on indefinite hiatus? Great. But we can also talk about bar stories. And I was like, the things I don't remember. Great. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to work out. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't remember that at all. None Another of it. I remember none of it. Like I could, that could have been your dream. It could have been mine. I have no idea. I don't know. Or may maybe it wasn't Lindsay whom you were there with. <laughs> no, it probably Is that at all possible? Okay, I, okay. No, I, I, okay. Wouldn't, I wouldn't discount your memory that You'll cop to being I, there, possibly. Yes. I believe, I know. I, I believe you, Shaker. I don't, I don't remember that at all, though. I remember singing that song in a more, I remember singing it in different places that are, there's no, like, story to it. I don't remember singing it there, but I believe that it happened. Then, of course, there's another song we sang a bunch of places, not karaoke, just straight up sang, and that was in spite of ourselves. Right, that's good. And, Thinking about it. And a few funny things leap out to me about that. One was there was like this Dominican bar. We went to a we went to a Christmas party. Uh, I want to say it was it uh, Becky Birmingham's Christmas party or maybe somebody like that or that tall friend of Becky's. And afterwards, we went downstairs and there that, was this the tall was, friend. Was, wait, 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 wait. We're like, wait. we have no idea where we were, what we were. <laughs> doing who our friends are the tall friend <laughs> and then we sang something <laughs> that's no that's yeah great. i'll i'll go with this one too. we went downstairs to get a cabin this was we were actually with ann and we, we had actually had a little gang with us and somebody i think had to run into this place to use the restroom so we all went in and there was a band playing and you know i, I of course wanted to get a drink and uh the band stopped playing and i was like hey can we play a song and they were just like, sure. <laughs> and, and we did it. And it went off well and everybody seemed to really enjoy it. Nobody in there spoke a lick of English. Oh, this, oh my God. I This one I was like, don't remember either. Now I remember it. I remember it very well actually. Now Jay was with us and Jay was like horrified. I remember this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten about this one. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I'm glad. If you had just, I remember if you had said no, nope, no, nope, I would have started to question myself. My brain was still searching. I was like, "Who's Becky Birmingham?" <laughs> <laughs> now I know. Yes, no, but I remember her. I remember her party. I remember, this is a long time ago. I yeah, mean, it sure was. Yeah, it was a long time ago. More than a decade ago. We're not, yeah. we're not like forgetting things that happened. <laughs> it was a, it was a time in our life when we were going really hard too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now another one. Uh, another performance of the same song was here in Austin, Texas at Mugshots Mug downtown. And it was, I think it was actually an open mic, but there was kind of one guy who was kind of performing. It was like, there wasn't, it was an open mic, but only one guy was performing. And he, you know, uh, no, nobody, you know, kind of nobody was really into it. I think he, he was surprised 
when we were like, hey, uh, can we play a song? And, you know, he gave us the guitar and the, uh, and, and we, might, we did the song and the dude was just blown away. And he treated us like we were the Rolling Stones for the rest of the night. You know, just for doing this one John Prine song that's, you know, it's, it's not written by him, but uh, it's pretty easy to play on the guitar. We had done it enough, you know, we had done it enough that we, uh, you know, only occasionally transposed a verse or something. And, but this guy acted like we were the two greatest performers that he had ever seen in his life. And afterwards, like, was asking questions about our lives as musicians and buying us drinks. Like, like, he must have bought us a lot of drinks in his application. <laughs> I don't remember this one either. <laughs> it's so funny. It's funny to me that he never, if he had asked us to play another song, Ooh. like, like well, maybe I could have played one, but maybe not. Cheryl Crow. Yeah. <laughs> we have two. But it's so funny. It's that such it was... a weird, I don't know why, like, I mean, the Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow one's really silly. <laughs> yeah, it's a silly song, of course. Yeah. But uh, those, are, those are sometimes fun. Wow, I'm glad. I feel like that paid off. I didn't, I was like, is reminiscing about karaoke and, you know, folk singing really going to, really going to be all that great, but I feel like, I feel like it did actually pay off. Those were some, those are some funny stories. And then we sang, we sang in spite of ourselves. It was, video was taken outside of Hank's saloon. That one I remember. On kind of my farewell. That was. Um, yeah, Hank's is finally really no longer there. I, yeah, I know. Many years of a buildup of it. I heard there was, there was some attempt to kind of recreate it in, in that barbecue place. Yeah. That, that didn't last that doesn't make long. sense. <laughs> yeah. That was a sad one. Yeah. Well, here's to Hanks. Mm -hmm. it, we knew it wasn't going to stay forever, but it sure hung around a lot longer than anybody thought it was going to. So. It did. I mean, if you're having That's Alex on again, you can have him sing his ode to Hanks. Let me make a note of that. I think I have an MP3 of his ode to Hanks, so maybe we'll just play it when we go out tonight. Oh, right. yeah, that's a good idea. Thank you. Oh, Thank tonight, you that, tonight or whenever you happen to listen to this, Ellen. Also, Lindsay, thank you. When you mentioned Ush, uh, I mean, sorry, you mentioned Elijah, it occurred mm -hmm. to me we, sh we should try to get Ushwin on here to talk about whatever projects he's working on. That's weird. Why did mentioning Elijah make you think of Ushwin? I just thought of other, other, other old friends of yours. Oh, okay. Who, you know, uh, I was going to say, I, maybe, we could, maybe we can get Elijah to call in from Japan, but you're going to have to deal with the 13-hour time difference. Um, we can deal with anything on this show. I mean, Ashwin has a book coming out, so it would be funny to tell him, like, Ashwin, we booked you on a, on a really major podcast. There's oh, a boy. lot of super fans to promote your book. Don't. I think. And Don't then he shows up anybody. and he's like, hey, Schaefer. <laughs> we, can get, we can get word of his book out there. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that every every little bit of promotion helps. I would hope. Um, there's would, like there's like 110 possible purchasers of the book there. Hey. Yeah. At least I feel like I think we're actually getting closer. There's there's over 100 regular listeners now. There's over 50 semi-regular listeners, um, and then 
surely, you know, there's an, we get another, we get 450, we get 150 individual ears a week. <laughs> I'm sorry that I don't mean to keep making you repeat your stats and validate yourselves. <laughs> no, it's something, it's something no. we like. We like to talk about on that on here anyway. No, it's it's a tick. It's like Tourette's. We, we you know, four four fifty a week. Def, definitely, definitely four fifty. In the in the early days, the, we actually had a segment where I just did the numbers and just read all the metrics for. What was but then that on. just got sad. That was the week. A little sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ashwin has some kind of crazy, actually, like, I mean, he was in India when the pandemic was getting started and he had kind of a crazy, like getting a flight back to the US and uh, his wife is a reporter for the BBC and she was like covering everything in Spain at the time. And so she was like stuck between countries and they had to get her back. And now she's covering uh, Biden for the BBC. So actually, Pratiksha might be the one that you want, but you know, he can I'm, tell some tales too, sell his book. But. Dude. No doubt. I mean, those both sound great to me. I, of course, you know, we like talk. We like talking to anybody, and every every one of you guys has got a good story. You know, we told uh, we were talking about when we get to episode one hundred, we're going to really start marketing the program, like maybe buying some Google ads and such. And my sister the other day said. Um, we were talking about episode 59 or one of the recent episodes. And she was like, yeah, when you said you guys were going to start marketing at a hundred, I thought they'll never get to a hundred. <laughs> really fast. And then like, I was like, ye of little faith, my sister, my rock, you treat me like that. I'm more like, I feel like every time I check in, there's like 15 more episodes. Like there's a, there's a lot going on. Also, well, listen, we, we set, Inspired by Matthias Valina, we set a pace that we, that is like it's more like an athletic event. You know, we we're we're training three nights a week. It is. And I mean, you got to be hustling all the time to keep this up. My my tiny little pea brain is just spinning all the time, thinking about song parodies and nice. topics that might be interesting and people we know that we could talk to. Uh, Matthew, you mentioned Matthias Felina. I was actually going to encourage uh, you to read maybe one of his dreams tonight because Lindsay and I, uh, it was... Oh, man, I had it. I had the one I wanted to read. Where did it go? Lindsay and I, particularly when we, we when we both had desk jobs and instant messenger, uh, we would we would often exchange exchange dreams. I had one I wanted to read. Y'all vamp for a minute, and then I'm gonna come back and do that. Lindsay, uh, Todd, do you know uh, what Matthias does? He has a subscription service, and he he every day writes dreams. They're basically prose poems mm -hmm. that just describe a dream and. He hand delivers them on his bicycle all around, all around town. Or if he's doing it uh, via correspondence, uh, like he's doing right now, he mails them out all around the world. And so every day you get, every day or two, you get uh, an envelope with with three, two or three dreams in it, and uh, it's super cool. Uh, but he, we had him on just as this most recent round was beginning, and. Uh, you know, we were just talking about how I like, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, that they get annoyed when they hear other people's dreams 
or you know like it's a drag to listen to dreams and of course you know if it's a mundane dream maybe you don't want to hear it but i was just we were talking about like what it's you're kind of a really shitty person if you hate listening to people's dreams right <laughs> and matthias, matthias said don't you should uh, actually went so far as to so you don't you just you shouldn't be friends with people if they say I hate listening to other people's dreams. You know, <laughs> it is kind of a weird thing. I mean, especially someone's willing to share their intimate inner world with you, and you're yeah. like, ugh. Lord. You know, and of course, some dreams are better than others. And yeah, sure. And sometimes, you know, sometimes like the telling of it is difficult because it's not like you've rehearsed it and you know edited it. So sometimes yeah. you might hit like a weird patch where things are like, oh, and then ugh, I went into the kitchen, and you know, it gets weird. Of but, course, yeah. And I mean, yeah. I think it's. I've always thought like it's it's cool to. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. I, I think like it's a it's an offer of yourself to share with someone. I think it's nice. Yeah, me too. Even if it's boring, that's still nice. Someone's offering up something that was in their head. Yeah, know? and you know, so. sometimes the, the so-called boring ones are, you know, that's the, the reason that they're that way or that is that, you know, somebody, somebody's like, well, and then something, something happened that was so weird that I can't even describe it with words, you know? It was, yeah. And then, you know, It'll be like a person's face turned into an entirely different person's face, and you know, a toucan flew through the room, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, what's interesting too is back to your sort of like bartender as therapist. Often, I think like watching the person as they tell it to you be like, "Oh, that's now I get it, right?" Yeah, yeah. Put you it gotta talk it out a little, and like you need, a, you need just like another face to tell it to, and yeah, like, yeah, definitely. the person be like, "Now I know what this means to me." That's also kind of fun. I don't know. <laughs> it looks like we've got Matthew back. Sorry, I had to go down my into my dream cellar to, to get this one. Are you guys ready? Are you ready for the dream? I, for, for some reason, I feel like this is going to impact everybody. Creek was the... But, I, but, I, but only because I've read the dream ahead of time. I made the creak, creaking noise for the dream cellar for a little Foley artistry for you. Nice. That's outstanding. Okay, here we go. This is the 25th dream. You have disappeared. You can't find yourself anywhere. You go from room to room looking for yourself, but can't find anything. You check all the pockets of your pants and jackets, nothing. You go outside, trying to think of where someone like you might go, looking in the park, at the shops you like. You go to that restaurant you always talk about going to, but have never been to, and you sit down. A server walks over. Hi, you say. Weird question, but have you seen me here? The server smiles. Of course, she says. You're here all the time. I've served you dinner so many times before. This is your favorite restaurant. In fact, the server says, and reaches into a wide pocket. You left this here last time. She hands you a notebook. On the cover of the notebook, in your handwriting, it reads, My Beliefs. You open the notebook and see that all the pages are filled with writing. But as you skim through what you've written in there, you don't see any actual beliefs. Instead, each page is filled with dozens of wishes. And all the wishes you see written there, they are all things that you thought you were afraid of. 
Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Matthias puts, when we talked to him about it, he played it off like, oh, I write a thousand of these a day. I don't even know what I'm writing. But you come across ones that like kind of shake you a little bit and and make you, I read this with my daughter and she was like, what does that mean, Dad? <laughs> this is really something that he dreamed sincerely, or this is like him? no, no, no. These aren't no, things. These are not things that he dreams. And oh, he said okay. he actually That's even okay. he actually even rarely pulls from his own dreams. Uh-huh. They are okay. just they're just dream like his prose poetry exactly. form okay. of dreams. He says a lot of it, and I've noticed the theme is like anxiety. Yeah. There's anxiety yeah. in the dreams. That's here. You've disappeared. Right, right. But then the the resol- the way they resolve a lot of times is so I think that it's it's so hard to like do any kind of fictional representation of a dream or write a dream or character, you know, show well there's the movie Inception that came the closest, but like but but the way he like turns it at the end oftentimes I think to me makes it most like most dreamlike because stuff happens in dreams. That's just so non sequitur. Right. Right. Do you guys have recurring anxiety dreams? Cause that's kind of what, as you were reading, I, I picked up on. I had a dream when I was a kid that I had a recurring dream and I had it many times. And sometimes I would have it loop through the night and it was maybe like a a two minute dream and it was and it was really based on um cold war like fear of nuclear holocaust i think Mm. you know there was like this town this arid town and then i was in the town and then there was there was this figure that would hand me this flower and then there was this like silo opening and mm-hmm. this this ICBM coming out of a silo and then it was this feeling of just desolation well total destruction and then I would have it again mm-hmm. as a kid yeah <laughs> it manifests itself differently for me but uh definitely the recurring anxiety dream always has to do with my teeth your teeth. I used yeah. to have those. Do you have teeth falling out dreams? Yeah, yeah. Just I used to have those just all the time. Falling out wouldn't be painful. It would just be they just slip right out. Mm-hmm. And I just remember uh, one specifically. I, I this ended up in a in a poem of mine. Definitely one specifically was just the teeth just falling right out. And I was standing on a marble floor, so the sound of the, the tooth hitting that floor, woo, that was heavy. Weird. Yeah. Ugh. I've had ones where my teeth are falling out and I'm like desperately trying to put them back in. Oh, uh, yeah. No, see, that's... Uh, that's we, uh... But, the, but the other one that I've had is this one where I keep... It's either stairs or like ladder... Like stairs that I'm trying to walk up and then they become sort of like Escher stairs. And I'm like, there's no way. I can't, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Those are my two big ones: teeth falling out and like sudden. And they feel very like in the in the dream they feel so intense. And when I wake up and I describe them, I'm like, oh, this is really dumb symbolism, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just can't get there. Mm-hmm. You know? 
a weird thing that sometimes happens in dreams too for me is I'll be getting into a fight, like a street fight. Oh. Suddenly just feel like I have no arms. Yeah. That's oh. <laughs> tough. Mm. And apparently that's common. Mm-hmm. Like you won't be able to. Because you can't move because you, yeah. Like you can't move. And I think anything that involves uh, like a significant contact with another human being, I think I end up outside of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's interesting. Finally, Perhaps. this podcast gets interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we move on from dreams about significant contact with other human beings before uh, before we start to earn our earn our explicit rating. Also, we're also craving explicit contact with other human beings in this pandemic times. It's it's tough to think about. Yeah. I definitely gosh, I was thinking about that the other day when a good friend a good friend and good regular who I hadn't seen in months came into the bar. I was like, I want to hug you so much. Yeah. But that and we make, could not. Talk about making poor choices. Yeah. Don't hug your bar patrons. I know, uh, Matthew, I know that we've, we already kind of did a Poetry Corner because you read the dream, but I have one that I've been, that I actually pulled for last episode that I've okay. uh, been wanting to read, if you don't mind. You have, to ask, you have to ask Lindsay if that's okay. She's the one who's, you know, she's on East Coast time over there. Just make sure yeah, it's how okay. how long does this thing go? To like well, we're, wrap, we're wrapping it up. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. No, go for it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. It's the time just flies right by, doesn't it? Um, and I'm glad that you're uh, you're a little fresher than you were on the Zoom call last night. I was really tired. Yeah, I wanted to go to bed at like nine last night, and we were. It was nice. It was nice of you to hang around for as long as you did because you I were, was, you were yeah, visibly. I was but I slept. It, you know, I got to sleep last night. So yeah, yeah. What what Zoom call were you on today? Just a friend's Zoom. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. um, yeah. They'll all, I, I hope I would hope that they would all be listening. Jason and Lori and Andrew Porter and uh, oh, Andrew Porter other, doesn't uh, Porter doesn't listen to the show. Porter probably, probably <laughs> doesn't. Well, Schaefer, Schaefer plugged it to everyone. Yeah, oh, good, listen good. to the Lindsay one. I'm I'm sure. Good. Um, and of course, our our beloved Jason Edla. Uh, you should get Jason on the show. Yeah, I want to do a movie episode with Jason. Okay. And we the next time the next time we want to do a pop music episode, we got to get Lori on. Uh, New kids on the block because she is the queen of pop. So uh, once again, uh, to promote other better podcasts, uh, I was listening to uh, I was listening to uh, This American Life the other day, and uh, <laughs> it was a great. Like the number one podcast. It was all about it was all about delight, and they did it kind of you know in late December, early January, kind of when things were just really it felt like the darkest hour, both politically and uh, and and health, you know, virus wise. Uh, and they it was it's an episode about delight. It's so much fun. There's an awesome segment where one of the producers just records her kid who is going to ride the bus for the first time to school. And, uh, you know, obviously something she recorded in the before times, but this kid is so excited to be riding the bus for the first time. He like 
practically, you know, spazzes out. And it's, it's so much fun. Like, I remember, you know, being that excited and his, like, his laughter and his, you know, just cries of joy are amazing. Uh, worth listening to just for that. Uh, but also this poet, Ross Gay, who wrote a book about delight. Um, another, you know, all these people just reacting against what's been going on, uh, you know, in the last couple of years for all of us, uh, both in America and around the world. But uh, I dug deeper on Ross Gay because I thought um, I thought he seemed really cool. And I found this poem, it's called a poem in which I try to express my glee at the music my friend has given me. Are we doing a poetry corner here? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Poetry corner. I thought this was appropriate because we have so many musician friends and so many uh, friends of the show are musicians. Our Milton's, our Alex Battles, our our Brian Kroll, our Brian Benitez, uh, all of you, all of you wonderful people. Ben Murphy. Uh, we love Somebody asked me what's the sort of theme of people that you interview, and I was like, mm, a lot of musicians. A poem in which I try to express my glee at the music my friend has given me. Because I must not get up to throw down in a cafe in the Midwest, I hold something like a clown-faced herd of barebacked and winged elephants stomping in my chest. I hold a thousand kites in a field loosed from their tethers. At once, I feel my skeleton losing track somewhat of the science I've made of tamp. Feel it rising up, shriek and groove, rising up a river guzzling a monsoon, not to mention the butterflies of the loins, the hummingbirds of the loins, the thousand dromedaries of the loins. Oh, body of sunburst, body of larkspur and honeysuckle and honeysuckle bloom, body of treetop holler, oh, light speed body of gasp and systole, the mandibles ramble, the clavicle swoon, the spine's trillion teeth, oh, drift of hip-o, oh, trill of ribs, oh, synaptic clamor and juggernaut swell, oh, gut racket, blast off and sugar tongue, syntax, oh, throb and pulse and rivulet, swing and glottal thing and kickstart heart and heel-toe heart, oh, 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 a bullfight where the bull might take flight and win. Wow. Classic. That was a super fun poem. Nice job. Yeah, check out Ross Gay. He's a really, really good poet. Obviously. Lindsay, thank you for taking the time to talk to us here. Thanks for talking to me. I meant to ask you a lot of questions about your mom, but I bet maybe that's just <laughs> going to have to wait till next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lindsay, someone else we can shout out to a super fan, uh, Marion and Jonathan. Oh, uh, yay, Marian It's fun because I see where all the downloads are around the world, so I get the... Uh, so you know you got some Abu Dhabi. Yeah, got some. So say hello to them by all means. Yeah. And hello, Miss Ferguson. Hello, all of One Magical Nation. We love each and every one of you. We love you guys. Thanks, Lindsay. So nice to meet you. Lindsay, yeah. Can you help us with our sign off? What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't rehearse this handshake. <laughs> you can either say the poor are the choices, and then one of us says the sweeter the wine, or 
Matthew could say the poor of the choices and you could say the sweet of the wine. I have or, wine sitting there. I to saw me. that you were drinking wine. So you, you, you do the second part. Perfect. Here we go. In three, two, one. And the poor of the choices. The sweeter the wine.
kid visiting here. One more, then Andy, the other Andy Friedman and the other failures, and the famous Blue Mountain, and the famous state of Mississippi.